everyone and welcome to another exciting episode of Battle of the Atom. This is your weekly X-Men podcast where we rank every story from A to Z. I'm Adam. And I'm Fire and Life Incarnate, now and forever, the bad boy of X-Men podcasting, Zach Jenkins. You really are a marvel, Zach. Uh, just just a real marvel. You know, and I, I appreciate that about you. You're a marvel girl too, Adam. <laughs> <laughs> I get I get psyched to uh to hang out with you when we record this show you know hey you know i don't think i don't think anyone has told you this but i think gray could really be your color i think a pair of like gray jeans would really really make your rear end pop adam yeah well you know that is the goal is is you know those those gray jeans uh those jeans that are gray we got there (laughs) we got there eventually we got there we're talking about Jean Grey this episode, and folks, we got a very specific request from JJ McCorby. If you want to be like JJ, you can go over to your ATM and send me money in the mail. <laughs> AKA the Patreon, the that too. I forgot what the name of the website that gives us money is. It's patreon.com slash comicsxf. It supports all the great content on the website comicsxf, which isn't dead and is alive as of this recording. Even if it is tied together with gum and like bailing wire. I don't know. You bail with like twine, not wire. You know, just go with it. I liked your Sometimes I, liked I just say things. Explanation, you know, People on this podcast, I don't know. I don't pay attention to our viewership at this point. <laughs> uh, this is this is more the fun times I have with my friend Adam. But I, in the past, people have taken things I say very seriously. And folks, sometimes I just say whatever comes to mind. It gets me in so much trouble. Listen, no one listening to this has ever incorrectly said an idiom out loud uh, in public to anyone before. I'm sure everyone is perfect. So definitely not while doing a uh, public performance (laughs) such as a podcast. Uh, But JJ had a very specific request. I assume JJ stands for Gene Gene. Yes. Or Jean Grey, but the Grey spelled with a J, which would be a, an interesting choice for the letter J, but I think possible. Jean Dre? Jean J? Jean Dre? Jean Dre? Jean G? Frankie Jean J? <laughs> uh, what's, they, what's the request? It's interesting. The request was Jean Grey stories that don't involve the Phoenix. You know the most famous X-Men story is about Jean and the Phoenix, and every story about Jean after that is in some way, shape, or form a response to the Dark Phoenix saga, which has been adapted no less than twice in movies. And I want to say, let me see, how many TV shows? Obviously, TAS. Evolution didn't get there, but was setting it up. Yep. Uh, Wolverine and the X-Men did it. Uh, and the anime. Uh, the Wolf- anime. So all of the animated series wanted to get that. We're not counting Pride of the X-Men, because who cares? That was one issue, or one episode. It didn't get to that point. And then both iterations of the movie franchise thus far. So it's the X-Men story that people know. So it's really hard to find a Jean Grey story that doesn't involve uh, the fire and life incarnate. And yet we did it. We have found a way to fill an episode. 
Uh, and we're starting with a tale from the 90s. Yes. Uh, it's written by my personal best friend, Fabian Nicieza, uh, with pencils by Andy Kubert. Uh, it is X-Men 28, Devil in the House. Ooh, who is this devil, Zach? Oh, it's Sabretooth. Oh, right. He's living in the danger room. Yeah, haven't you uh, read the Victor Laval Leonard Kirk series, Sabretooth, The Adversary? I am behind in that, but I have heard it is amazing. Adam, Adam, um, you should read Sabretooth, The Adversary, where Sabretooth becomes the king of hell. I really... But not uh, in a fun way, in a scary way. Also, the book is fun. Also, there's a part where Nanny is there. Oh, yay. I did read the, the original uh, Laval miniseries. I, yeah, I, that's that's Sabretooth the Adversary. Okay, I did read that. I did not You've read You have not read Sabretooth and the Exiles yet? No, I haven't read that yet. Also Mine. a lot of fun. I think in general a bit weaker just because it has a more sprawling focus versus the first series, which was very uh, specific, though. I think there are more enjoyable moments in Sabretooth and the Exiles. Uh, than there are in Sabretooth the Adversary. Uh, I'm excited to see where it goes. And folks, if you like Victor Lavelle's work, he has not sponsored this show, uh, but could if uh, go you'll pick up his new book, uh, Lone Women, uh, about the lone women who settled in Montana without anybody with them. And also, you know, one of them has a box with something in it. <laughs> well, it's a big box. <laughs> Uh, Laval did not write this story, but um, our good friend Fabes did. And uh, I like this issue quite a bit. This is from this that one's time good. Uh, when Professor X had decided that Sabretooth was going to be rehabilitated in the danger room. Against no, his will. Well, he like shows up to kind of like request help but then is also prisoner it's weird and nobody else really agrees that this should be happening everybody is pretty much against this especially there's people people who are defending the professor and they're saying well what about wolverine what wolverine was just like a guy with some anger issues at the time (laughs) he was a he was a government superhero that was a bit of a loose cannon so yeah i think that answer was I don't know. He just didn't jive with the rest of the team (laughs) or rogue, an actual terrorist rogue who came very apologetically wanting, wanting help and wasn't trying to super murder everybody. Sabretooth wants to super murder everybody all the time and is more like a drug addict who needs the glow, the glow that Birdie used to give him by people. We're really just talking about Cyclops. So Scott seems to really be the only one defending this. Uh, He's more defending Professor X than anything else. He does not like this situation. Hey, it's weird that his wife's really upset about this. I feel like the the disagreement (laughs) should be a one they have by down at the boathouse where they live. Yeah. um, But so the issue starts with um, a really great dream sequence with Jubilee having a nightmare about Sabretooth chasing her through the woods after he's killed all the X-Men, wakes up, and and Jean is starting to realize that this really is a problem and needs to get handled. Um, so she gets uh, her husband, Storm, and Hank together, and um, they go to um, a wife's name. Yes, Harry's. Harry's Hideaway. Harry's Hideaway, thank you. Which, 
<laughs> I think Jordan was a Jordan on Instagram recently. Jordan D white, uh, ex editor did point out that it is wild that no one in the New York area has decided to call a comic book store, Harry's hideaway. Like that would be a really great name for a store. Anyway, little aside there. That'd be um, a great name for a store. Yeah. Be a great name. Um, but no, then and- X-Men fans would go there and you don't want that. <laughs> but everybody agrees. Like this is a bad idea. Um, we see Psylocke trying to, you know, go in there and, and help Sabretooth and deliver a meal and he beats her up. Okay. Her and we have to be clear. This is, this is Psylocke. This is Ninja Betsy, but it's weird. Cause Revanche is also there and they call her Betsy and yeah. Revanche. And yeah. it's like one, I forget. Wait, what's it has, what's the issue? Has this gone through the whole retcon stuff yet? I think that's right yeah, after this. It has because. Um, oh, yeah, because that's right before the wedding. Right. And Revanche has the legacy virus. Yeah. He's like, I'm sorry, Betsy, that you have the legacy virus. And I'm like, Fabian, you just wrote that story. <laughs> and I'm wrong. 30 is the wedding. Yes. It is. This is before the wedding. Yeah. 30 is the wedding. 25 is fatal attractions. I should have done that because Wolverine's not here anymore. Yeah, so people are also starting to wonder about Professor X and whether he's making good decisions. Is he getting a no, little bit? No, great, great question. No, he's not. <laughs> right, right. That's not his MO. No, no. Uh, his so in the right place. That's what's good about Professor X. All of his decision-making skills, subpar. Yes, very much so. And uh, so the, the real highlight of this issue is that Jean Grey decides, sick of this guy. I'm going downstairs. I'm going to show him what's what. She shows him what's what in what might be the best thing Jean ever did in that terrible Jim Lee costume. It's great. She's fantastic. She's you're a firecracker creed and (laughs) I am an atom bomb. (laughs) Like she's just saying, I'm you think you're scary. (laughs) Hold on. You, You did scare the teenage girl. I'll give you that. The 14 year old. You're really upset. Creed. You think you scare me? I'm Jean Grey. She basically just stands there floating in the air and throws him across the entire room against a wall, which is fantastic. She she's she's a psychic, so she talks to him about how she could give him the glow mm-hmm. and she could calm him down and do all the things Bertie did. And she says, I need you to know that I could do this and I won't. Because I am in control here, Victor. Yeah, I, me, <laughs> I am, I am an atom bomb. You're nothing, you weird dude. Yeah, uh, and it's it basically a, it's a basically a come to Jesus moment where she's like, "You better start working on yourself because I'm not, I'm not appreciating this bullying thing that you you keep doing." And so the issue does end with uh, Jubilee safely delivering. Yet another, I, they're saying Sabretooth is eating like 20 meals a day or something like that, which is ridiculous. He's a grown but Have you seen him? He is, <laughs> he is solid. Yes. You know uh, how much protein you need to keep up that muscle mass? And so we're left with the cliffhanger of whether he will, you know, actually follow and heed Gene's advice. Spoiler alert. He doesn't. So here's the question. Would hmm. he have actually tried to rehabilitate himself had Wolverine not shot a claw through his head and screwed up his brain again? I want to say no. 
I want to yeah, say. I don't. Think, I also don't think that he would redeem himself, or not rede- redeems the wrong word. I don't think that he would try and better himself. That's not Sabretooth. I no. don't think there's a thing that Sabretooth could do to want to better himself. In fact, it's it's why Axis Sabretooth is like it doesn't work because it's a completely different character, and you already have Wolverine right there. Yeah. So when he's like, "I'm gonna give up my." goodness to save my terrible son from hell i'm like <laughs> really Victor? really this love guy? adam i'm just gonna tell you spoiler alert for Sabretooth at the exiles that plot point comes back oh cool all right victor lavelle brings that plot point back nice that's great um it's it made me laugh very hard when they said go read this comic i was like victor <laughs> should they well you know everybody in the x office right now loves a good callback um now Shift. yeah i think it's worth talking not i mean we've been mentioning the story but um andy kubert's artwork here this is really like prime time for andy on this book he is the, the standout new star uh artist of x-men after after jim lee and And, um doing a great job you know he does some weird things with eyes that i always find a little bit distracting um but there is just this style that is just this is the era of the book and and he really does uh you know encapsulate it it's it's really great does a great saber tooth just it's andy's so freaking good on this book like it's annoying how good it is there are so many good artists like that's I'm not saying that today's artists are bad by any means. There's plenty of talent in the room, but you you don't generally in books get the all stars on something like a standard monthly. Like They're now reserved for the big events. So you get great art, but that a story that sucks mostly. Mm. And I'm like, no, I would love to see just an all-star run. like like we got with pepe on uh x-men sure yeah you know just I, see somebody kind of like cutting that. loose i i also think that uh you know to my earlier comment about you know weird stuff that he does with his eyes you know we're in a moment i don't really want to make this like a, a referendum on like current art but we're in a moment of house style where everything does sort of need to still be very realistic Right. And Kubert stretches anatomy and pushes things and pulls things in weird ways. Like just look at the way that Gene and Sabretooth are twisted up on the cover. And, and if you if you stare at the figures too long, you're like, oh, that's not perfect. But you're not supposed to. You're supposed to see the cover, get drawn in, be like, yes, I want to know what's happening behind this thing. Exactly. So you know, there's a fine line there, right? Like there's a fine line between kind of just going so far away from anatomy that things just look terrible. And he pushes that in interesting ways. And I think it works really well. So I enjoy this one quite a bit. I do too. I think this is what the kids call a pretty good one. <laughs> is that what the kids are saying these days? You uh, know, sh- I've talked to the kids. Mm. I talked to the kids and they are saying, they are saying that these days. Okay, well, you know, we have quite a few pretty good ones and some pretty bad ones as well on our big old list. That's the thing about our big old list. And thank you for bringing it up, Adam. So of course. Important. It's all, what all the kids are talking about. All the kids. All the kids, they're talking about their Victor Lavelle novels, and they're talking about the list. The big old list. 
the big old list. It's got 765 X-Men stories ranked from best to worst. The best being a story about the Dominion, the House of X, and the Powers of Ten. Uh, the 100th best being a story that's not about the Dominion, uh, Ultimate X-Men World Tour. Uh, then Morph, uh, the Morph one-shot from Bendis Uncanny, Glob Loves Man Kills. Uncanny X-Men 326, uh, which is Gambit versus Sabretooth. Iceman Volume 3, numbers 1 through 3, Thawing Out. Excalibur 31, that's with the Son of Krakoa. Uh, Spider-Man and X-Factor Shadow Games. These are We're going by hundreds here, so we're down to 700. And 765 is the worst X-Men story that's ever existed. <laughs> Folks, it's 2099 World of Tomorrow. And if you missed last episode, please go back and wa- listen to us crown the new worst story. It was it was a lot of fun. It was upsetting. <laughs> it really was. <laughs> but it happened. And spoiler uh, to those who are not with us this evening, we're recording those two episodes back to back. This episode and the last episode back to back. So I did get a snack between. So yes. I'm feeling great. I had the cracker um, at 400 right now. Adam is a similar story. Uh, it's the Gambit versus Sabretooth story from Uncanny. Oh, this is much better than that. I also think that this is much better than that. This is much better than the nature of evil. Um, is it better than Glob Loves Man Kills? Kind of. I would say so. Yes. Here we go. Is it better than at 206 is the Omega Red arc from Jim Lee? Um, That's a tough one. I mean, as we noted when we ranked it, it is like classic artistically, but it is also kind of a mess in its story beats, right? Where I think this one threads the needle better. Yeah, I think this is much uh, better written than that. So I want to say we're in the two in the 100s. I think this is better than, um, well, hold on a sec. At 200, yeah, no, this is better than the 200. We have that morph the, one shot. This the is morph issue good. from Uncanny Volume 3. This is better than cable number one, cable minus one. Yeah, I, I'm, I'm keep moving up here. Um, you have blood and metal highlighted. That's pretty solid this isn't as good as uh i don't think this is as good as adventures of cyclops and phoenix at once it's not as good as deadpool the good the bad and the ugly those are right next to each other 163 164 yeah but i do think it's better than at 165 gambit and the externals hey look at that we just solved our problem that's a great spot and probably the highest ranking story an issue has had in quite some time on this show (laughs) i mean look we go through, we go through, uh, we go through some fits and spurts on this podcast of good stuff and bad stuff. And you know what? I'm going to be kind of honest, Adam. Yeah. We've covered a lot of the good stuff and there's a lot more bad stuff than good stuff. You know, you, you just mentioned though, um, I, I immediately started to try and find, uh, X-Men 30, the X-Men, the Gene and Scott wedding. We've never covered that. It's, it's we've so interesting. Wedding? No, we've never covered the wedding. That's a fairly important X-Men. How have we not had? Oh, because we've we've had several things about Kitty's weddings that didn't happen. Right, right. But never. We have covered Scott's first wedding. Yes. Yes. We'll Uh, we'll figure out. If folks, do you want us to cover the wedding? Put your money where your mouth is. Patreon.com slash comics XF. Let's go. You have the power. That's right. Um, but we have some other gene that isn't the Phoenix, uh, stories. Where are we going next? Uh, we're going to X-Men first class. 
Volume. Volume two. Who? This is Jeff Parker and Roger, Roger Swipes Cruise. It is from 2007. Eric Nguyen does, or Eric Nguyen does the uh, cover. Um, Are you much of a first class guy? Um, We've read a little bit of it. It's people who really like first class. Yeah. I mean, okay. So first class is set, you know, in the silver age. So we have our characters, except it's a little bit more of a modern take and the characters have, you know, different costumes. They're not stuck in the silver age costumes. Um, but it's, you know, it's kind of like early days, right? Absolutely. Absolutely. And one of the features of the early days of X-Men is that Jean Grey has no personality, right? She's the girl. She's the girl. And Jeff Parker does challenge that in this and says, well, I want to write about the girl and the girl power in this. Uh, so it starts and she's annoyed and talking to Professor X and ends up, uh, he says, hey, you should you should probably have literally one woman in your life. That is the thrust of the issue. The The issue begins with Jean trying to telepathically fi- or telekinetically figure out how to fly and ends up in a tree. And of course, all the boys are like not able to leave her alone for a, a hot second. Professor X kind of chides them and like, or like, have you ever thought for just one second that she is the only girl amongst us? I believe he uses the word uh- fe- female. A um, thing that I have to assume all of the guys who are <laughs> constantly horny for Jean Grey. In fact, yes, they're they're quite aware. Yes. Um, however, the way they respond to it is is really just ridiculous. Uh, I, the funniest moment here is when Hank decides that he's going to make Jean feel better by dropping off some biographies of Amelia Earhart. And it's got it's women. got real big Stan and Jack answering fan letters about <laughs> Sue Storm in early Fantastic Four and thinking about what female role models they could uh, bring up and coming up with the fact that Abraham Lincoln had a mom. It's wild. And, and it's truly man beast. Don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. It's uh, you incel. It's not great. Um, so Professor X has a pretty great idea, and that is that Sue Storm of the Fantastic Four is going to allow Jean to job shadow her for a day and takes her Mentorship off. Mentorship is so important. It really is. Um, and and takes her off on a Fantastic Four adventure for the day. And uh, it's a lot of fun. It's fun. They do a Fantastic Four adventure. She figures out that the invisible girl is like pretty good at being a superhero and doesn't let the fact that she's the only girl get her down again not in the silver age where stan lee for all his all his things that i enjoy i don't enjoy the fact that he cannot write a woman uh no and like it's not that he focuses on the men there's people who do that it's that Stan Lee seems like he's never met a woman which i know is (laughs) false because he really loved his wife it's true, but does he know how to represent them on the page and or think at all about why a reader would respond to them as a character? Absolutely not. Not even a little bit. Name the best written Stanley woman. Uh, I don't know. I mean, are there any? Like, what does Jean do? She ties shoelaces with her mind. Like, It's, it's Gwen Stacy. And Mary okay. Jane. 
It's okay. Gwen and Mary Jane. Yeah, actually, no, it's just Mary Jane. Mary Jane's a better written character than Gwen Stacy. Yeah. There, it's MJ. And even then, MJ's not like, she gets more pathos later. Though, it is MJ. And again, the fact that we had to, like, think for a bit, it's tough. Yeah. Also very specific. She's not the, uh, she's not the protagonist. She is the romance character. That's right. I was going to nothing wrong out. with romance stories. No. But, like, Stan Lee very much knew how to write, oh, Romance? I can write a romance thing. Yeah. He he did that. He does not know how to put them in a superhero story, which is weird because he's Stan Lee. Yeah. Or maybe it's because he's Stan Lee. Uh, <laughs> Listen, it's both. So buddy. this is a fun deconstruction, right? Because um, the Fantastic Four are fighting the Mad Thinker and the Awesome Android. And the Awesome Android is the best. And, you know, really, Sue... And Jean get to kind of be the stars and save the day. Um, and, you know, later on in the issue when they're, they're, you know, trying to follow up on some of these things in a different environment, the rest of the X-Men do come um, and help out. So there's a little bit of that, that, you know, team up kind of thing going on here. But I think most importantly, there's a great scene at the end where Sue is like, hey, you know, it is important for you to have your own space and your own time. And, you know, you, you don't always have to be beholden to this group of boys that is always following you around. And Jean, like, is like just smitten with Sue, you know, like just such a cool person and gives her a hug. And uh, it's a, it's really nice. I think it's a great story. It's fun. I like this yeah. one. Uh, I, it's a little slight. And a little like, oh, we got to cleanly resolve this. Yes. But it's fine. Listen, it's, it's fine. As a one-off, you know, uh, little story that gives Gene a, a little bit more depth. I think it's great. Um, Roger Cruz does a very nice job with the artwork. I, th I think it looks nice. Um, absolutely a Roger Cruz comic. Yeah. I, th I think it looks good. I don't good. like Roger Cruz. I, I actively dislike his artwork at all oh. times. And the fact that he is the primary artist on X-Men First Class really just diminishes my enjoyment of the book. I'm just, sorry just, to hear that. I just, I've never liked Roger Cruz. I just don't like him. I mean, it's definitely kind of, at least this, this particular um, book, it's kind of like middle of the road and it's got I think kind of a weird a, choice for this book. Frankly, I think, I think they're going for kind of like a cartoony kind of animated almost look uh, to the storytelling, which you know, it doesn't necessarily fit the Silver Age vibe, but I kind of get doesn't. why they did it. I, I could see it both ways. Like, I understand why they I made could, the choice. But I feel and... like, I feel like, I, listen, I feel like if you're going to be riffing off some Jack Kirby comics, maybe get some art that riffs off some Jack Kirby art. <laughs> yeah, like, but I mean, do you really want this artists. thing looking like a Tom Scioli comic? Like, I don't know. Yes. Wow. Okay. Adam, don't say, don't say cool things that I can't have. But would you want this particular story yes. about Gene and Sue drawn that way? Yes. I don't know. Yes. Okay. You, again, you're saying things and I don't understand why you're saying them as negatives. <laughs> That sounds great. I would Adam. I would like to note that this is a male writer, it's a male artist, and you know, for all of its intentions, I do think it would be nice for there to have been a female hand in in creating this particular uh, story. But um, I I do too. I would say that that is a Marvel issue, not a jeff parker issue no no i agree uh, with you 100 it's, it's an 
it's the kind of issue that like Marvel would put out in 1999, a couple years later, a book called Marvel Divas that was pitched as a Sex in the City homage for the Marvel Universe. And it was written by Roberto Aguirre Sacasta, uh, which is great choices. choices. <laughs> I've not read Marvel Divas. Uh, it's just, listen, I don't want to read it. Fair. Um, but when you're doing a this is the Marvel Girls book, if it was if Marvel was good at hiring women, that'd be one thing. But especially, especially at the time, they weren't. No. And that really like it's still nowhere near where it needs to be, but that really didn't change as a like corporate, oh no, we have to fix this until like 2011-ish. When they canceled the X-23 book by Marjorie Liu and then realized they didn't have any books coming out starring a female character. Mm-hmm. And they were like, that's a bad look. Yep. And they, Axel Alonso had his faults. Axel Alonso did try and push for more diverse representation within the creators of Marvel, which is, in my opinion, vastly more important than any representation on the page. Because I'd rather have real people be impacted by things. But that's me talking about representation as a cis straight white dude. And who really wants to hear about that? Should um, we rank this X-Men comic, which I assume people do want to hear about? Yeah, I, I enjoyed this. Um, you know, so taking it for what it is, I think it's fun. And I don't think it's nearly as good as what we were just talking about with X-Men 28, unfortunately. Um I- at 219 is X-Men First Class number 11, The Continuities, which is a better story than this. Oh, much better. And, you know, that has that whole meta quality to it that is just just really raises that above uh, and beyond. So we then jump down to 527, Uncanny X-Men First Class, The Curse of the Kralich. We're between those two stories. <laughs> yeah. Um, I want to say we're probably in... I'm looking at like the 400 right now is 400 is what happened to Cassidy keep from generation X. Mm -hmm. That's better than this. Um, Deadpool volume two is better than this. I think. Yeah, I would agree. Um, Just, I keep working my way down. Saga of Crystal, the crystal warrior. Number six is better than this. Yes, I would agree. I think this might be better than the first four issues of Generation Hope at 456, though. Sure. Yeah. You know what? Girl School from Hex better than this, and Mutant X 1 through 3 is better than this. I would no, agree. actually, Mutant X sucks. I, this is better than Mutant this X. This is, okay. I'm sorry, you know, just, I'm still riding that, like, John Francis Moore, X-Men 2099 high, uh, so yes, let's put this in as our 455 X-Men First Class Volume 2, number one, The Job Shadow. I'm going to say this. People who think that, oh, look at this fun Mutant X book. That's so crazy. They should have that same energy for X-Men 2099. Because it's better. Book, yeah, a book that's <laughs> like, listen, does 2099 have its issues? Yes. It's way but better 2099 than has all of the fun of that. It just doesn't, it just doesn't have Madeline Pryor. Yeah. Yeah, and that's fine. So we got one more for you folks. And um, this is also sort of in the first class Silver Age world. 
this came out as a tie-in to the movie X-Men First Class. No relation to the book, except for they did keep it roughly in the first class. They put they put Jean in the first class costume. Yes. What they did. Yeah. So this is Marvel Girl number one, just a one shot written by Joshua Hale Fialkoff and penciled and inked by Nuno Plotti. Also colors by Nuno Plotti. They were doing a handful of these. There's a Cyclops one for sure. Mm -hmm. I think there's an Angel one. Uh, I believe the other one is Angel and Iceman, but I don't think they did a Beast one, did they? And we're better for it. (laughs) I'm kidding. I love Beast. Oh, my God. Love him. The thing about Beast. The thing about Beast is that he did have a uh, mecha made Oh, out of his secret him. headquarters. Yeah, his secret headquarters from X Force right now. It's very good. It's an island mecha with a skull, and it has Wolverine claws made of Wolverines. Jesus, it's... if if read if listeners to our show are not keeping up with Wolverine, you really have to because it is so good. It is so hey, good. I want to I want to jump back to one thing we said really quick uh, about Marvel and. Uh, hiring the right people for certain things, especially with their uh, inconsistency in hiring women, uh, especially at this timeline. 2010, there was a two-issue series called Women of Marvel. Okay. Uh, G. Willow Wilson definitely wrote one of the uh, shorts in that. Okay. And so did, you know what? On the second one, they at least three of four, three out of four are women who write it. Uh, but it does have a terrible, truly upsettingly bad Greg Land cover. Oof. And most of the rest of and all the writers in the first issue are dudes, Ugh. which like, oh, come on, y'all make an effort. It's just you have a book called Women of Marvel. <sighs> this is a pet peeve of mine as well. Uh, recently, Marvel has been celebrating. Well, I mean, by the time this comes out, this already happened, but they've been celebrating Women's History Month with characters quotes from characters like female characters but of course those characters were written by men and that quote is not from a woman it is not from a female human being drives me nuts i do love how everyone now knows how feminist you and i are and that's really what's important here i am not being performative i have a legitimate (laughs) gripe it's so stupid see ladies ladies hear that adam's a feminist so, you know, you can just you can just remember that when the time comes that Adam Adam does care. He's an ally here. It is not a secret um, that I'm keeping from everybody. Um, this book, <laughs> Marvel Girl, it's not good. Is that a secret you're keeping from everybody? No, because, um, folks, this tries to retcon the Annie story. And Annie Richardson, the, the girl that got hit by a car that uh, Jean Grey then felt her die inside her head. And that made Jean Grey upset. Um, Yeah. And listeners who listen every episode will know that just a couple episodes ago, we did talk about the first time that this story happened on page in Bizarre Adventures 27. Truly a bizarre adventure it was. Truly uh, an underwater marriage story with a Tuma. This posits a scenario where Jean may have been responsible for Annie's death because she 
let Annie walk home by herself from the shopping mall? What? So there's two things about this. One, the only person responsible for Annie Richardson's death is the person behind the wheel of the car. And even then, it may have just been a truly unfortunate accident in a combination of things. Very true. Uh, Two, Annie Richardson's fictional, so no one's really to blame for her death except for Chris Chris Claremont, and he's not really to blame because, again, she's fictional, so no no one died. Three, Gene, if you're like seven years old, you're good, actually. But your friend shouldn't be walking home from the mall by herself anyway. That's on her parents. <laughs> so 14 depends on how close that mall is. Seven. I have a seven year old. You do. I don't let him walk far at all. I do not trust him. I don't <laughs> trust him to be at a shopping mall by himself. And I say all this to say. Normally, I wouldn't care, except for the book. He's kind of trying to make you feel a little bit like Gene should be to blame. And I'm like. That's a weird energy to be bringing to this comic. It's a bizarre thing because the issue begins with the team in the danger room, Silver Age team, and the boys are fighting over her. As they're wont to do. She stands up for herself. She uses her TK and basically is like, everybody beat it. Everybody get away from me. And for doing this, she is chastised and lectured to about she is given the hysterical woman treatment. She is. She is told by Xavier to keep a lid on it. Right? Like, calm down. Gene, Gene, don't let your emotion. I know you're I know you're a woman. I know you're more emotional than the rest of us. But Gene, Gene, how how's the cycle? Is it is it coming up on that time? Gene, what's going on? It is just so not good no. mr professor x no it is really really that obvious in the way that it's written so gene ends up at the shopping mall where it appears as if some kind of malevolent- adult gene or not yes. adult gene but this gene. gene goes back to the shopping mall after going and seeing her parents who annoy her yes uh and she's so so concerned that there is a psychic malevolent entity that is controlling them all and everyone there seems to be people that she knew from when she was seven and they've all just been stuck in the shopping mall and adam did you go to a shopping mall when you were seven probably yeah with my family sure do you remember a single person you know i certainly don't remember walking up to boys and 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 friends in the arcade and then remember like if you knew somebody when they were seven and then you hadn't seen them again until they were like, I don't know, 19. Would you remember what they looked like? Do you think a seven year old and a 19 year old look remotely similar? Exactly. But she knows exactly who this kid is. Who's playing this arcade game and so has, you know, decided to live there for the rest of his life. I guess it's really strange. Um, And then she begins to get, haunted by the ghost of Annie and we get this, this sort of weird retconny thing that's happening. And again, like the moral of this story is that all of this was caused because Gene not only feels guilt, but is also hysterical. And that's, what's causing all of the visions that's happening around her. And again, Professor X shows up at the end of the issue to chastise her one more time. 
It's a weird comic. Really I weird. I wouldn't have written this comic this way if I was in charge of Marvel Girl Volume 1, number one. It's bonkers. It really is bonkers. Um, what do you think of the art? I actually like the art. Okay. Yeah. You know, Pilates art. I think I think it's it's not exactly what I want, but I, I think it's pretty good. I think the coloring is really interesting. He's doing his own coloring, and there's a lot of these these sort of TK, uh, you know, pink overlay effects that he's doing, and it looks really neat. I think just in general, it's not like the best art in the world, but the writing on this is abysmal. It's really bad, actually. Yeah, it really is. Um, and you know, this character better things, deserves better. You know. Um, and he deserves better. Let's, let's be clear. This is not even like, you know, a major character, but it is one that's shaped the evolution of Jean Grey. And you so know, weird how many things have brought up the Annie Richardson story. Yeah. Yeah. And I, you know, just like there's a big difference between a kid, two kids playing in the front yard and one runs in the street to get like a ball or a Frisbee or something and gets hit by a car. And this scenario which is like chaperoneless children, elementary school children. Honestly, this is Annie's parents' fault. <laughs> if anyone's to blame. It's so wild. Like, why are they there? Why are they alone? It's so, so weird. This is weird. Yeah. Um. There's a lot of weird X-Men one-shots out there. They yeah. did. For a while, they would do like rounds of one-shots about the X-Men because none of them can actually sustain a series. Mm-hmm. And this is one of them. Is this better or worse than X-Men versus the Brood? I think it's worse. Is this better or worse than Iceman icons? It's worse. It is worse. Is this better or worse than the Frankenstein issue of X-Men? Ooh. Um, recently, you may not know this, Adam, recently had a sequel comic written about it. Wait, really? Yeah, in the X-Men Unforgiven. Oh, yes. I'm not I reading that. I read about I just, two pages of that and couldn't couldn't do it. <laughs> you, you know, you remember the Unforgiven from that time Marvel was trying to make vampires a big deal, so they did Curse of the Mutants and all these spin-offs of it, and this is a team from that run of X-Men? It's a, it's truly a wild um choice to be doing a series of one shots. Don't want to read that again. Characters. It was bad. No. So much about different vampire clans guys i don't care dracula great i'm in vampire clans you've lost me again give me my friend dracula who i can discard a card to at the end of the game and he gains that card's power uh speaking of mutant x at 695 we have the goblin force arc of mutant x and honestly i think i'd rather read that again this is better than x-men and the micronauts which is uh 697 yeah okay i'll give it that um it is and it's better than 701 x women yes and it is better than 696 what if wolverine enemy of the state don't even remember that no we covered it within the last year it wasn't very good um yeah this is gonna be our new 696 marvel girl volume one that is what it is i'd like to think j think jj we barely talked about the phoenix no, we didn't talk about the Phoenix at all. We talked about the Phoenix in the context of how hard it is to talk about the Phoenix. But how not to not talk about to, to 
you know, avoid the Phoenix. The Phoenix, the Phoenix does consume so much about the Jean Grey conversation in in everyone's lives. And you know what? I get why. Sure. I mean, the kids are all talking about it. It's all the kids are talking. About. Are the kid? <laughs> do the kids talk about Jean Grey? I don't know what the kids are doing these days. Anyway, Jean's great. She is great. She's great. <laughs> she should. Here's the thing about all these comics that I find weird. Okay. She's not wearing a green mini dress. I don't know Never. Why. No. Why isn't she wearing the good dress? You know, that's a that's a very hotly debated topic. It's that green dress. So uh... we should bring back dress course. It's been too long. <laughs> oh, boy. That was a good episode. I think we uh, we covered some ground there. That was nice. I I feel like some ground has been covered again. Thank you to JJ. Adam, what do you got going on? Oh, uh, geez. I mean, just this show and taking classes and, um, you know, I'm, I'm dead. nothing. Okay. <laughs> nothing. How about you? What are we doing next I'm... week? Oh, next week, Adam. We're talking about friends. Oh, we're talking about the friends of Sunspot and Cannibal. Ooh, bros for life. They're bros. They're, they're bros before Cheetos, I guess. <laughs> it's a true bromance. And it's excited. I'm excited about it. We're getting so close to our 300th episode. Oh, my goodness. And I cannot wait to see what happens next. So until then, folks, this has been Battle of the Atom, and we hope you survived the experience. Get it!